Coming up, do you really need formal marketing qualifications to be a decent marketer? What can you actually learn from experience? And how do you balance the conversation with an agency or a consultant if you need one? Find out when I speak to a man that's certainly been there, done that, and is now helping others, Bert accordingly. This is Marketed Not Live, the show that dives deeper into the ideas, philosophies, and strategies of the best marketing minds. Here's your host, Biz Paul. Welcome back to Marketed Not Live, the official podcast of the Marketed family of events that includes our live event in September 2021. And obviously includes our online marketing education platform called Marketed Light. Go and check that out because if you haven't seen it, honestly, you're missing 10 amazing sessions from it. Uh, our whole raison d'etre is to, hang on, that means like other reason. Our main reason for existing at Marketed is to help bring different perspectives, help with education, help learn find new things out, all of that kind of thing. And we do that in different ways. But today, as with every episode of the podcast, it's about talking to someone who's got it somehow. Um, This is not about trying to to be intellectual. It's about trying to get information out to anyone that is willing to listen. And uh, I'm really appreciative of you being here today. Do you have a podcast? Are you thinking about one? Now, in some ways, I actually want to discourage you from thinking about it because, hey, I want all the listeners to myself. But if you do decide to fight for my audience, that's fine. There's enough to go around. (laughs) You probably can't go wrong by choosing Captivate as your hosting partner, because not only will you have a delightful user experience, but your podcast will be distributed to an ever-increasing list of platforms, including Amazon, which is a recent thing. And if you're on another platform already, Captivate will migrate you over for free. It can't be as easy as using Captivate, honestly. Go and have a look. Captivate.fm, sign up there from as little as £17 per month. I don't know whether you know this or not, but I don't actually have uh, any formal marketing qualifications. Well, I mean, I do, I do, but I didn't go down the route of getting a marketing degree and do it that way. Mine was kind of a sort of zigzag left and right. Let's a combination of sort of work experience, uh, working in corporate, gaining a qualification here, <laughs> specialising in a subject there, then doing something to formalise what I already know. It's, it's you know, I've kind of meandered to, to where I am today. Do I think that's a problem? Uh, it probably is a problem for some people. Some people may think, well, you know, you don't have uh, the, the, the calibre or you don't have the experience. Well, I'm telling you now, I've got the experience. Uh, it's just that I don't look that old. <laughs> but I think... It's really interesting when I talk to people in the Marketed Live community as to who has that sort of formal education and who doesn't and who has a combination of education and uh, experience and who's just learning on the job. It's just, I just find it really fascinating because I think all avenues are valid. And I actually think the more avenues there are, the more creative marketing is. So I'm really pleased today to bring onto the show Bertie Cordingly, who, as you'll discover in a moment, has a really good story to tell from how he 
got to where he is today. Um, and and uh, a really exciting venture that he where he had the idea and then you know became a, a huge success really. So uh, I won't go into that because I'm about to read you the bio and therefore you will uh, hear it. But I think, like I say, it's really interesting to to hear stories of where people have come from and the different types of experience they have with marketing. So this is just one tale of many that exist in our community and in the marketing world. But I want to encourage everyone who has any kind of experience, formal or not, to take what they've learned from anything really that they've done and channel that into your creative efforts. Because that way we get more diverse ideas more diverse thinking, more interesting and new creative stuff going out there for whoever we're working for. So have a listen to this, listen to the story, and uh, we'll see what you think afterwards. Bertie Cordingly is a serial entrepreneur with many businesses under his belt. He's founded companies from the idea stage right through to multi-million pound exits. And because of that, he's got experience of all sorts of startups from bootstrapping to raising investment. But he's best known for founding the hugely successful online takeaway service, Filmabelli, in 2006, which you might now know as Just Eat because Just Eat acquired Filmabelli in 2012. Now, we'll learn a little bit more about that journey in a while, but uh, he's got a deep-rooted passion for helping other business owners reach their potential, and he now works as a business advisor and coach, as well as building a community of entrepreneurs to work together. And it's really exciting to have him here because he's got lots of stories to tell, no doubt. So, Bertie, welcome. Hello, welcome, Paul. Thank you very much for uh, for inviting me on today and the uh, the glowing introduction you've just given me there. Fantastic. Yeah, which you know we're all for transparency here. You wrote yourself. <laughs> <laughs> also, I did, but, but you put so much chart. Like it sounded so much better coming out of your mouth. Did um, you like that? Yeah, <laughs> I try to try to put some embellishment on it. You know, I think that's that's the way to to read people's bios okay even if it's like on their instagram like read it out loud. if yeah well i think i'm going to get you to read all my bios from now on maybe, maybe that could be your new service bio reading you see Hello. you've already started on the entrepreneurial thing here right from the <laughs> get-go in this interview give me an idea like like that now i'm really i'm really pleased to to have you on uh bertie because you're you know you're a, a, a man about town. You are local to the Marketed Live region. And I've sort of got to know you a bit over the last maybe one or, or two years, maybe more recently thinking about it. But um, I'm really interested in your, your story, really, because uh, I think just thinking about who listens to this podcast, there's plenty of people who would be classically trained marketing people. And there would be people who own a business and are doing it themselves. And some people may worry, really, when do they need to get someone in? When do they need to get a professional in? How much can they do on, on their own? And I just think that yours is an interesting story, really. So tell us a little bit about Filmabelli and um, how that became so successful. 
Sure. I mean, Fill My Belly was, I mean, came up with the idea for online takeaway in 2004. I actually bought the domain. I was driving for a job interview and was like, I wonder if you can order takeaway online. And you couldn't. Came up with a name on this two-hour drive, bought it, and then sat on it for a couple of years, and then eventually launched the business. I'm trying to give you a very abridged version here. Um, <laughs> but the, the business was completely bootstrapped. So we didn't seek any um, investment. In all honesty, knew nothing about that world back then. So the whole business was funded from moving money from one interest-free credit card over to another one. <laughs> yeah, that, that, wow. that got us through the first sort of three years. Um, it took a very long time to get off the ground, as in to be bringing any meaningful revenue so we only took 10% of the order value. So it's, you need a lot of orders to, to be able to make that kind of business model profitable. So it took a very long time to get off the ground. But eventually it did. And uh, the traction was there. And it was growing consistently month on month. And after, I think it was six or seven years, um, yeah, Justy had been trying to speak to us for a good couple of years but we really didn't like them at all um for lots of reasons um but eventually contact was made got on really well with the md of the uk and yeah and then the the offers started coming in it's like actually this is probably the right time to be uh, uh to be selling the business so yeah then i moved from uh, fill my belly to over to justy um was there for three years and the rest is history, really. What else do you want to know? Is that a, a good enough introduction for that's, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's a good introduction. I, I mean, I just find it a fascinating story, really, because we all know Just Eat. The, the sort of, I don't know whether they're classed as the number one. I suppose they, they, they must be. I mean, you've well, got they delivery are now, can, pretty much. Right. So was it, yeah. was there, did, did they have the same idea, basically, but in a different time and they had investment and they were just on the lookout to, get growth or how how did that happen yeah well it's well just he actually launched in scandinavia in 2001 so launched in denmark ah. so we had no concept or idea that this kind of thing existed um at all back in 2004 certainly certainly in the uk didn't even know about just eat probably until about maybe a year after we'd launched. They certainly weren't in Nottingham. But actually, Just Eat launched in the UK in March uh, or maybe February. Then Hungry House, which you may have heard of as well, yeah. they launched a few months later, and we launched in June. So we all pretty much launched within um, six months of each other in the UK. They had um, significant investment. They'd also developed their own technology as well. So uh, they were sending... Uh, orders and we loved this idea but didn't have the the money to be able to put this together they had this little it looked like an old arcade machine that printed out the order in the restaurant which sounds quite normal and easy to do now but back then like pre-internet in um, places was quite difficult um, so they had this this shiny order box um, that uh, that delivered the orders and we used to send them via a text message actually an sms message so the uh, the way that the orders were sent through to the restaurants they would have a phone just like a nokia 3310 or something like something you pick up for a tenner yeah. and go leave it in the shop and that's how we would send the orders so our technology was super scalable and super simple um, and it didn't require any um, 
uh, didn't require any investment as such from the restaurant. So that is one of the reasons that we're able to scale so well, whereas other places had come in. I mean, going back to 2000 and uh, between 2006 and 2010, I could probably have named you 50 to 100 different online takeaways. There was that many that were just cropping up everywhere at the time. Um, but some had used different technologies. So some people were using fax machines to actually send the orders through. Huge investment in dedicated second lines and installing the machines and obviously not practical either. So yeah, that was one of the reasons and another one of the reasons why we were able to scale a lot quicker than the most places. Right. Wow. It's, it, I just think it's, it's, it's a really good example of how innovation or ideas can, can grow quite quickly. So given that you had this idea in the car and, uh, you know, you sort of went, went from there, how did you, um, market film a belly to these, these takeaways? Did you start locally first and go from there? Yes, it, we, we did start locally. So the way that the marketing works as in marketing to the takeaways was literally direct sales. And the direct sales and marketing was me. <laughs> so um, to actually kick this off the ground, what I did is I tested. I talk a lot about smoke testing ideas. So I essentially tested this idea, went out, didn't have a website. The only thing that I had was this terrible, um, I don't even think it was PowerPoint. I think I'd done it in Microsoft Paint or something, <laughs> presentation of what the website was going to look like and then it, how it was going to send to a phone, etc. So I went out in the March, took a week off work and just physically went around every single takeaway um, that I could find. Um, you know, the majority of places obviously said no, but then some said yes. And the people that said yes, loved the idea. And then it was after I got that first yes, it then got easier to get the second yes and the third yes. Yeah. And in that week, managed to sign up five. So took the money off them, the uh, their startup fee. I think it was about £300 I was, I was taking off them at the time. Um, had this launch date of the 29th of June. Um, and then it was like, right, uh, I need to go and build this now. <laughs> okay. So, so what was, what was the thing that was maybe similar about those five businesses that felt that they wanted to take a punt on, on this idea? Um, I don't think that, I mean, they were all very different businesses. Um, well, a couple of pizza shops actually signed at one, then his brother. So that was easy. Then, uh, you know, it sort of follows like the, the law of diffusion of innovation where you've got like your early adopters and then it moves into early majority and late majority, et cetera. What we found is, and didn't really understand this at the time, um, but know a lot more about it now is that as soon as you get one in an area, then there's FOMO kicks in. So you're coming out of a place and you're going in next door. It's like, oh, who are you? Oh, I've just signed up your um, your neighbor to be on a website for ordering takeaway online. It's like, really? Okay, tell me about it. So they don't want to uh, miss out then. So yeah. that becomes a lot easier. It doesn't It doesn't make the whole job super easy. It just adds that little bit of... Um, uh, that little bit of credibility that where you didn't have it before. And the so many examples of where I've, I've gone down a street, like from left to right, you know, knocked on all five doors, got to the fifth door. They've said, so I had four no's and then the fifth have said yes. And then been able to go back and almost do it in reverse and like, well, actually now your mate's on there. So do you want it or not? Yeah. You know, and that, cool. that, 
that helps um, from a uh, you know from a sales and marketing point of view. But it was it was all direct um, sales or the majority. Later on, I'll explain some of the other things that I did. Um, but direct sales got me that initial critical mass mm. hard work. Mm. A lot of people don't want to go out and cold call and knock on doors. Um, still works though. But it, yeah, it, it does still work. And you can develop that relationship. And if someone didn't want to talk to me, I'd just order a bag of chips. <laughs> and then, and then right. I've, got, I've got five minutes to wait. Yeah. Oh, cunning, cunning. Um, I kind of want to ask you then whether, so that that sort of FOMO strategy, I mean, that that is that is a, a, a thing. I know plenty of people who talk about, about FOMO and people would look at things like Clubhouse um at the moment and talk about FOMO in in that sense yeah how valid a uh how valid a strategy do you think that would be today yeah FOMO absolutely is but I think it's the thing with FOMO is it's just part it's a very small part I wouldn't even say necessarily it's a strategy it's 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 more of a tactic within your main strategy so those sales didn't come like if i'd have just gone on try to artificially create that that fomo for example it probably wouldn't have worked and actually we did try like a few different things of ringing up some places beforehand and saying things like, oh can you order uh takeaway online and they'd say no and then um almost sort of a little bit of a gorilla campaign beforehand so then the idea was that when you go in it was like they were a bit more tuned to the idea it never worked (laughs) um uh so yeah you couldn't artificially create it so i think it it fomo is part of something else like for for me in that sales strategy it happened organically so the fomo was there but i recognized enough that it was there to then go back to the places that had said no and i think that's what a lot of where a lot of people will fail on this. So they, they get four no's, get the fifth yes, and then fuck off in their car. Can we swear on here? Sorry. You can. Okay, and then fuck off in their car and um, and then not go back to the other four. Whereas I would then physically go back and use that as an extra. Well, actually now, and as I was saying before, use that as a part of it. So yeah, whether you call it a strategy or a tactic, but it was certainly part of my sales process. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you've got some, uh, local businesses involved and presumably once you've got local businesses involved and you've got, I don't know, I mean, I'm I'm not going to say the case study as such, that's a bit formal, isn't it? But you've got people actually using it. What was then your next step? Did you just go national straight away or did you just try different areas? What, what, what was your plan? Uh, so we, we did want to go national, relatively quickly it's one of the mistakes that was made as in trying to scale too quickly so one of the reasons that it worked so well is you get that critical mass of of takeaways in an area and then there's the halo effect where um when some places are marketing it for you and not all of them would but a lot of like you know you see now just eat window stickers the um uh, the blade signs you've got it printed on the menu and all those type of things um once you have that not everyone's going to order pizza every night so then they'll order chinese or then they'll order indian so you get this sort of halo marketing effect that was the nirvana that we wanted um so it it worked far better to start with an area and then work out and then go to another area and then and then work out that way rather than trying to scale too quickly but we did try to sign a place in different areas then had a so 80 when we sold 
80% of our takeaways uh, were in the East Midlands. No, 80% were in Nottingham. I think 90% were in the East Midlands. And the other 10% were just scattered around the country. But the majority of orders were still coming from Nottingham and the East Midlands. But it was significant enough to have been bought by Just Eat. So, you know, you were doing something right there. Oh, what absolutely. Was, what, what, what was the... Um, what was the big takeaway? Huh, huh, I made a joke. Uh, <laughs> what was uh, that? Was not on purpose, by the way. I'm just going to write what, that what down. Was... Paul <laughs> made the joke today. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah, put the date on it. <laughs> uh, what? So, okay. So, I want, I want to think more along the lines of, you know, as a as an entrepreneur, as someone who's had this idea and and created this, and and now you've now you've sold it. So that's a big success story there. What was the biggest thing from a marketing perspective that you learned whilst you were doing Film Belly? So I think from a marketing point of view, I think marketing is much more than just bringing people into the top of the funnel. And I think this is where I see personally a lot of mistakes are made. So yeah, if you're trying to bring someone in uh, and when I talk about the top of the funnel, like if you if you get someone to to visit your website, but then your website is shit, then you know the marketing agency or whoever's running your marketing can be doing a fantastic job, but then it's not uh, ticking all the boxes. It's not um, it's not satisfied. It's it's not scratching that itch that the the person that clicked on the ad or picked up the leaflet or saw the advert on the tram, whatever, initially wanted. So yeah. it doesn't stop at um, just web traffic. I see it as a much more integrated um, solution, ends to end almost. So it's it's yeah, it's cause and effect actually, isn't it? It's um, but it, it doesn't just stop at the point where the uh, the website begins. It's until that order has been delivered. Um, and so yeah, that that's how I see marketing. It's going right through the entire funnel. When you talk like that, you sound very much like an experienced marketing person. Oh, thanks. You are. Uh, but you've arrived at that point and at this point from experience, not necessarily formal qualifications. Is that right? That, that, that's, that's exactly right. So, you know, going back to pre-Fill My Belly days, um, you know, my marketing experience, uh, sales experience I had, um, marketing experience um, I had none. Anything to do with anything uh, website, internet related, you know, apart from uh, I think like I'd ordered something off play.com or something at the time. <laughs> um, play.com, blimey. Yeah, you know, going back in the, the day. But, you know, obviously watched porn. That was pretty much it for the internet, wasn't it? Like it was, it's, it's pre-social media, um, you know, like Facebook and things were just starting to, um, there wasn't really, that. it wasn't that, you know, exciting, was it back then? Um, so. I don't know, that? chat rooms were quite exciting, but let's not uh, go yeah, down there. Yeah, there was, there was MSN Messenger, remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it's all coming back, you know, that kind of thing, apparently. Going, going back to that era. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was different. It was very different mm. to what we have now. Um, but, okay. So, so, so the, the, the experience of sales, I think does, does play a part in that perhaps, but, but, but like I say, what you've learned is, is completely valid. It's just a different route, right? 
Yeah, ex- exactly. So that yeah, the, the marketing stuff. I was if I if I needed to learn something specifically, then I would go and learn it. So there was like a couple of people. I don't even know if like these people like still exist on this on the seat. There was like a sales and marketing guy called Chris Cardell. Like I think I was part of his mastermind club or whatever. We could go on and download all the materials, and he had different things for writing press releases and stuff. Some of this stuff was really valid, but I think a lot of it you take maybe one or two things from that and then expand on the ideas yourself. Um, Perry Marshall was really big at the time for um, AdWords. I had a couple of his books, used to watch like videos on how to do um, create AdWords and ad campaigns and things like that. So that stuff at the time, and I'm, I'm far out of this world now when it comes to like Google ads and things like that. But actually at the time, I was really good at it, but I didn't realize how good at it I was because in my head, I was just, you know, like one guy literally in a bedroom um, just just learning this stuff. I had no comparison. There was no there was no goal with it as such. I, there was no I didn't have anyone that I to, could talk to in the marketing world that ran any of these um, these things. Even the Internet agency that I worked with, um, the first one are absolute fucking tools anyway. But, <laughs> you know, those were. Um, uh had no idea uh, like just had no idea about any of this stuff it was almost i was going to them and saying have you heard of like this google adwords program yeah oh you know it might be a bit of a fad whatever just mm-hmm. stick with um uh swapping reciprocal links with uh, other websites that'll get you to the top of google okay dickheads yeah um <laughs> but yeah it's you have you had to be willing to go and learn and then challenge um those things and i talk a lot about asking questions i'm really fucking annoying when i don't understand something so be it web design coding marketing sales i'll just keep asking and challenging it if something doesn't make sense for me if someone's just saying oh we're going to do this and this is going to get this result it's like well how's that going to work i don't Mm. can you explain it a little bit more okay fair enough but you charge a lot of money for that so i really want to know exactly what you're going to be doing right so it's not it's not like would you say that you're an inquisitive person yeah, definitely. With anything um, that I don't understand, I, I want to know more about it. And sometimes that means I'm going to go ahead and try it myself. Other times it's just so I understand. Because if you don't understand the fundamentals, especially when you're outsourcing, then I don't think you can get that that full the, the, the full benefit of the results. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back to the marketing agency, if someone was just sending traffic to the website, but they were using keywords that weren't relevant, and then people were looking for something different or maybe they were looking for a specific cuisine and we were sending them in the wrong place, then um, then I'm not going to yeah. get the best experience and the customer isn't going to get the best experience from, um, from that. And I suppose as well, that's also about, because I think this is really interesting, that's also about uh, that conversation between, say, you as the business and the quotes and quotes expert, whether that's an agency yeah. or a coach or whatever, it's it's about making sure that that's a balanced conversation. Otherwise, the expert is quite possibly going to just bamboozle somebody with, no, this is how it's done. Whereas if you're bringing somebody along with you, then all parties can contribute to the success. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's exactly the more the more the more you understand i think i would be more concerned well i am more concerned now when someone almost said oh you know just leave it to us you don't want to know all that you know we know what we're doing and it's yeah. it's never a it's not a and if somebody's taking it personal that 
they think I don't know what they're doing. And I think that says more about them and that business than it does about me. Do you think, therefore, that there's a lack of transparency in marketing in the industry? Uh, not. I'm probably not the best person to ask. I mean, I've worked with some really good um, marketing people in my time and know a lot more now than ever. Um, but also, I've seen it done really badly as well. So I, d I don't necessarily think it's transparency. I think there's probably a lot of... Um, which is the same for any industry. It's not just limited to marketing. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, fear and um, comparison with how other agencies of similar sizes are doing. Um, and I think people can maybe almost start thinking, oh, well, actually, that agency is doing this, so we're going to start doing this. And then it, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You've got all of these agencies and websites that, yeah, maybe aren't so transparent on their pricing and what they want to do because they feel that's how it should be done. But who writes the rules on all this stuff, right? We literally can write our own ticket in business. Yeah. So I've had people that have asked, you know, should I put my prices on my website? And it's not a direct answer, but it's like, well, why wouldn't you put that on? And generally the mm -hmm. only answer is, oh, because no other agency has done it. It's like, okay, so that right. necessarily mean that you shouldn't. Like, is yeah. there a good, like, give me a good reason. And, and, but so, but a lot of people don't do those things because someone else isn't doing it and then they get scared not to. And I think this applies to all businesses, but marketing, especially it's probably, well, you can relate to it. What do you think? Well, I sort of think that there is this, that for me, and I've said this quite a lot, there's almost two types of marketing, um, agency or business or or freelancer or consultant or whatever there's the type that is a bit protectionist sort of puts up walls hides things we're not going to tell you how how this is done we're not going to talk about our prices until you commit to this we're not going to send people to uh, you know this is the, uh, look i'm gonna be honest this is my be in the bonnet probably because yeah. it's marketed live but people who say i'm not going to send my people to your conference because i don't want them mixing with other marketing agencies in case they get poached or um we know everything already things like that there just seem to be like there's that type and then oh. there's people who are more hey we're open let's learn let's learn new things things are changing let's discover together let's be collaborative i mean i know which i prefer um, I which I prefer as well. And that, you know, it's, I could almost feel the hairs on the back of my neck pricking up when you were saying about just that closed minded attitude. It's not, it doesn't just, um, it's not just in marketing, it's literally in every single business. And, you know, how fucking insecure must you be to not let your staff go to a conference because you'd be worried that they'd be poached? I mean, what? Yeah. What? Like, I know. If, if someone says, that was... like, have you actually heard what you're saying to me, buddy? Like, seriously, like that is that you have got big problems. If that's how you think, you've got bigger fucking problems in your organization than someone going to a conference. I'm telling you now. Like, well, that that was someone something that somebody said directly to me. Really? They were they they said that they they weren't allowed to go because of of that of that reason. So, you know, but I mean, that's do you know what that's that's fine that's fine that, that we're not for we're not for them there's definitely a more um collaborative uh forward thinking type of person and 
business that 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 tends to succeed in these these things and that's that's i would have to say just thinking about the marketed live community the people who are likely to listen to this pretty much that exemplifies everything that 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 they do and that's why they are listening to to this so that they can hear different viewpoints and get different um experiences them, them themselves just just thinking about what you do now then bertie as someone who gives advice to to businesses or people where, where you work with them so what are the um what are the key things that, that you're telling people right now in terms of maybe what's working for those more entrepreneurial businesses is there anything in particular that that, that springs to mind yeah i mean as in what a particular marketing tactic or a strategy or just or, or or viewpoint or or anything anything really i mean i'm just um just thinking about you know if we were to leave this conversation with one thing for somebody to go and maybe investigate so they can come to the conversation in a balanced way what sort of things would you perhaps suggest they do okay well i i think i would say that if you if you are running your business and you know these are co uh, comments that i say quite often that you know you are in you i'm just trying to think the best way to to put it without sounding antagonistic well you don't have to be a marketer to be a marketeer or a marketeer to be a marketer right to do marketing you don't have to be a salesperson to do sales you don't have to know the full ins and outs of coding to design the product side of your website obviously the physical coding is different so my my general advice to a lot of people is that okay well you can do this so a lot of people come to me generally either when they've started something and they failed or um they're in need of trouble and they're already quite um uh the way through their their business marketing scares the shit out of a lot of people like it's like a dark heart to some and they don't know where to start whereas a lot of the time it is just doing basic common sense things and people fail for lots of uh, different reasons but a big one is just doing something once and expecting that that's going to work and when it doesn't the wind's knocked out of your sails and it's like oh fuck it now we need to get an agency in it's like whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a minute mate you've just done one social post there no one's liked it do another and another yeah and another, mm -hmm. keep going, because this is all the agency is going to do. They're not just going to go and put one post out and, and hopes it hits first time. I would think that the correct, you know, the right agencies are going to be testing a load of stuff. Yes, granted, they're going to have the technical knowledge to be able to put a Facebook ad up in minutes, whereas it might take you a day's worth of research. But you're so close to your business, you understand this um, uh, better than anybody else. So you're only going to have to go and explain your business and what it does, and then they're going to apply that knowledge. But it doesn't just stop there. It's going to be a two-way process. So a lot of the time, it's giving people the confidence to go out and try things. I had a client, um, it was like middle of last year, and they were I'd given this advice, and they started running some Facebook campaigns. And after about two or three days, like I was looking at the stuff, and they'd really come on well, like the stuff that they were doing. And, and then he's ringing me. He's like, oh, do you know any agencies? Uh, because I just can't do this anymore. I'm really stuck on these bits. I'm like, mate, stick with it. Seriously, like you're so close to having this nailed. And you know what he did? Like for the sake of that extra 24 hours of learning, he's flying with it now. And now when he's in investor meetings and talking about KPIs, like he fully understands that whole process. Whereas if he had have outsourced it, he wouldn't have known all that. And he wouldn't have been able to make the simple tweaks that needed to be to be done quickly. So 
this stuff can be learned. And I'm not saying that you should be doing everything on your business because that's just crazy. But if you understand, if you start and you understand how Facebook ads work or how basic SEO works and uh, the, the, those fundamentals, this is now the bottleneck in my business. So actually what I need to do is outsource this. So that might be getting an agency or bringing someone in house to, to help on this because that becomes a bottleneck, but you understand it. And then actually, if you're going to be hiring or bringing in an agency, you know exactly what you're looking for. So if someone's saying they're going to do X, Y, and Z, you can say, well, actually I've already tried those things, not necessarily telling them not to do it, but you can have an open conversation around them and actually say, well, we tried this, we tried it in this manner, it didn't work or this worked and you've, it's, the relationship is going to be so much better, so much better because you understand that process. You don't have to do it forever. So I think in short, the advice is just try and do some stuff, learn about it. You can learn how to run Facebook ads in a day, right? I'm not saying you're going to be the best Facebook ads marketer, but the fundamentals of it, running an ad campaign, um, not using the boost button, you know, running an actual proper kit, you can learn it from some YouTube videos and figure out what to do in a day and be up and running. And then you're going to have some um, uh, quantifiable metrics then to improve on. So try some stuff out, but test it and measure it. If it works, great, double down on it. If it doesn't work, stop <laughs> doing it. And if you get stuck, ask loads of questions. There's so many mm. things, Paul, and you know all this. People just do things a lot of the time because they feel they should be doing it. Like yellow pages, right? How long did that go on? And you'd ask how many, um, and th you, this was a big selling point for me, right? I'd be like, how many orders do you actually get from Yellow Pages? Who goes to the Yellow Pages and actually sits there and orders a takeaway from it? And no one could answer it. It's like, well, you've just spent two grand on that new ad. Like, stop that and pay us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, I mean, yeah, I'm getting very much a sense of this idea of balance and, 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 having some knowledge or learning some knowledge to to ensure that any future conversation delivers value more swiftly for for the for the business that's that's then doing it um which is great and and actually what you're talking about reflects reflects your story as well which i think is amazing and an amazing story um betty i, I want to say thank you for coming on um to share that story with us and share your insight where can people find you online um, if they want to maybe reach out to you and maybe ask you questions or maybe work with you? Uh, great. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, and thank you very much for having me on here today, Paul. It's been a pleasure talking with you. So uh, you can find me anywhere at Bertie Cord, so B-E-R-T-I-E-C-O-R-D. Uh, so that's my, is it a handle? Is that what we're calling it nowadays? I, I don't, don't know. know. I feel a bit um, like I'm from the 80s if I say handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, yeah. And going back to the the CB radio <laughs> days. Um, yeah, showing my age now, right? But yeah, that that's my whatever it is. Um, I'm sure you'll figure it out, kids. You know, you you probably know more on it than me. So Bertie Cord, you can find me anywhere. Uh, my website is again berticord.co.uk, and uh, and if you go on there now, I've just started doing daily emails from the beginning of this year. Um, so they've received really good feedback so far. But again, this is another example of consistency, right? So like if I'm going to be doing these, I've committed to doing it for at least twelve months. So can't just do three of them and then like, oh, well, this isn't working. So I'm sending out emails, which are um, 
uh, funny, uplifting, uh, motivational, inspiring. These are all things that people have said so far, not me, um, on a daily basis. So you can sign up to those from my website, uh, bertiecord.co.uk. Great stuff. Thanks, Bertie. Well, I really love Bertie's story. He's a great guy and his experience, as I said at the top of the show, is equally as valuable as any piece of paper that says you've done some exams. And yeah, we've got different experiences and we've all reached different destinations, but all of them contribute to the wonderful and diverse world of of marketing. I'd love to know, actually, what your experience is like do you have any formal qualifications do do you even think that that matters let me know whether you think that matters or not tweet us at marketed live or email in hey at marketed.live but otherwise that's it for another episode don't forget to check out details of everything that's going on in the marketed world Uh, you'll find it on the website at marketed.live and we would really appreciate it if you continue to tell the story of marketed live and everything that we do It is still a challenge for everybody out there. And I hope that our efforts are contributing positively to to your world and uh, the, the work that you do for your business, for your employer or whoever that might be. But until then, thank you ever so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Our producer is Charlie Thacker. This is a Like My Media production for Marketed Live. You've been listening to the Marketed Not Live podcast. Want to go even deeper? then book your ticket to one of our events where you'll learn more about specific ideas, strategies and practical ways to improve the results you get from your marketing activity. Visit marketed.live for what's on and how to book.